But anyway, well, thanks y'all for joining. What what I had wanted to do was because it's like one of the topics I've been kind of like kicking around in my head of like because you know now that we're in the new <laughs> now that we're in the new now you know this is our life now is uh, but I kept wondering about because um, I think when the clampdown started happening they started hitting what they were hitting um, most of the shutdowns were hitting. Um, Hitting all the campuses first before they even hit all the uh, all the grade schools, weren't they? Mm, I didn't notice it that way. No, I thought the schools were hit first, or the public schools were hit first, the K through twelve. Yeah, I mean that was certainly true here. Although my university wasn't shut down until I know a lot of other ones already had been, so I'm not really too sure about the timeline. Okay, because yeah, it was just when there's something in my head that because I was just curious, um, like. Because both of you, um, both of you guys have been. Oh, actually, I should say hi, everybody. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. I am your host, Jeremy. Uh, joined on our, uh, yet another lovely lockdown recording session with um, with two returning uh, two returning champions to the show. Um, let's see, Amy and Ben. Could you do a? Would you want to introduce yourself to the viewing audience really quick? Sure. Uh, hi, I'm Amy Samariva. I teach at Portland State University. I teach in the University Studies program there, which is um, an interdisciplinary general education program. All right, I'm Ben Burgess. Um, so when I was on before, it was to talk my, about my book, Give an Argument, Logic for the Left. Um, and I'm a columnist for Jacobin. I do a weekly segment on the Michael Brooks show called The Debunk. But the part that's actually relevant for tonight's discussion is that I teach philosophy at uh, Georgia State University Perimeter College. Excellent. Yeah, and thank you for and, – and I'm me. I haven't been – I think the last university thing that I did, I went to one a, uh, a little like – I think I took a – I took – yeah, no. I took a summer uh, – <laughs> I took a summer class in like Latin one, a non-credit class in basic Latin at at Portland Community College about eleven years ago. So, but, but um, you attended a, a talk on um on the women's revolution in Rojava. Well, that's true. Um, <laughs> well, they, well, <laughs> well I mean, well, yeah, the, well, that's true. But that was the uh, I think the, in terms of like last actually enrolling or anything. Yeah, I mean, plenty of uh, yeah, I think there are plenty of. You know, actually going to plenty of like university events because there's stuff that happens, at, you know, either at PCC or at Portland State all the time. So, but in terms of like regular academics or something, but anyway, but I, I guess it was talked about before. Um, I was curious because uh, I've just been wondering, uh, wondering what it's like to, um, what it's like like to have to try to teach. You know, because like everybody else's, everybody else's life has been you know screwed up or interrupted uh, by this stuff. Um, although not so much mine, because I've been unemployed since like the beginning of the year. So the only the main thing uh, the main thing that I can't do as much anymore is you know I can't I can't canvas for uh, I can't canvas for any candidates right now, which was what I did a lot during February. So other than that, it's you know one big long winter break. Um, yeah, I. I um Actually, that came up really early because uh, I on um, so I don't know it all blurs together. But however many weeks ago I uh, started being inside, um, we uh, you know like our university had really been dragging its feet about um, you know going online or you know shutting down or anything um, and. Uh, we were almost at spring break anyway, and so everybody was pretty sure that they would finally relent at some point over spring break. And um, the Thursday that was supposed to be my last day of class before we left for spring break, I got, um, you know, like me and, you know, my wife who also teaches there and a friend of ours who also teaches there all, you know, all decided, okay, this is ridiculous. Like, surely they'll go online at some point over spring break. We're not mm. going to go in for like one more day to. You know, uh, endanger everybody. Yeah, uh, one less and, chance uh, at, at transmission. Sure. Yeah. And uh, and so um, and so we all you know canceled our classes for that day. Uh, but then, like, I would you know, I got a text saying, um, you know, there's going to be a Bernie uh, canvas on uh, on Saturday, right by where you are. And like, it's like okay. If I'm, I can't do this, I certainly, I'm certainly not going to like go around knocking on people's doors. But I felt so guilty about it because it's like, 
you know, I, I mean, not that many weeks before that, right? I mean, I was in Nevada, you know, as I know you were, right? Yeah. You know, like, like it, it feels totally ridiculous not to go down the street to do the same thing. But obviously, I mean, I, I imagine that by Saturday it was probably canceled anyway. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, like that's probably you know been the most tempted that I've been to. You know, like the sense, you know, the competing senses of obligation were probably stronger there than with anything else that, you know, besides like, you know, stocking up on groceries or going to doctor's appointments that I've been tempted to go out for. Yeah. Um, let's see, Amy, on your schedule, how was um, how did how did the, how did your academic calendar work out between things, you know, rapidly changing? Well, um, at Portland State, uh, we finished out winter the winter quarter, and um, and it right and during finals week, um, so class the classes ended um, on three fifteen, so mm-hmm. March fifteenth, and then final final exams began on the on the sixteenth. So during that uh, final exam period, I, um, I my husband and I both got sick, and we didn't know what what it was if it was if it was coronavirus or or what um so we just said we're staying in so i you know i we stayed in bed uh we didn't leave the house and um and then you know i i rushed to finish grading after i started to feel better so we're just um we're just moving into the second week of the spring term and um and i'm teaching a brand new course um, that is online. All of our classes at Portland State are now online. And um, I've taught online before, so the online component was not uh, a big shift for me. But I felt it was necessary to design the course in such a way that it was relevant to, to COVID-19. Um, so I, I was um, slated to teach a course called American Identities, which is a sophomore level course mm-hmm. um, in our uh, university studies program, and um, uh, um, I would have, you know, normally I would have I would have taught this class like an introduction to American studies kind of class, right? Um, but this because because you know COVID nineteen is really freaking people out and uh, is serious and scary and. Um, just really unsettling people's lives. Um, I decided to make the class about the intersection of infection and illness with identity in the United States. So um, instead, I kind of designed the class around like a three-week section at the beginning that is about um, some basic concepts like ideology, hegemony, Mm -hmm. identity, um, the contestedness of you know, what is American, um, what is America, uh, all of that. And, uh, and then talking about intersectionality and, and what all that means and the complexities of that, kind of looking at it more than just uh, an issue of a multiplier effect of different oppressions, but also a way in which as these different aspects or different components of one's identity intersect, they actually change how um, the others are, the other elements of identity are experienced. So, um, there's that unit around that, and then there's three additional units, uh, two weeks long each, that um, the first one being on COVID-19, the next one being on um, HIV-AIDS, and the third one being on eugenics. Um, so in each one of these sections, this will cover that material and discuss it. But a big thing about teaching online in my program is that our classes are set up to be um, limited at 36 people um, enrolled in each class. And uh, that is because we have a mandate to do really student-centered learning that's very interactive. And so doing that online requires, you know, it doesn't fit with this idea. It doesn't fit with this idea of sort of like just getting on Zoom and giving a lecture twice a week. Yeah. Um, so I had to design some assignments that, you know, um, that maybe took advantage of, of Zoom for small group meetings, but um, at the same time, you know, we're, um, we're about interacting in different ways online and about, 
doing a lot of reflective work on their own and sharing that with one another. So the big project that I think is worth mentioning, and then I will shut up, um, is that, um, is that I, I've, just, I've uh, set them into, they've, they've selected themselves into five different groups, um, each, each group representing a, a different type of primary source material mm-hmm. that, um, that they might collect. So there's one group on like visual culture, another group on professional journalism, one on social media, you know, one on, one on, um, oral testimony, um, and in each of these groups, um, will gather, um, gather materials, you know, throughout their daily lives in Portland, uh, and over their, you know, time spent on the internet and social media, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and create an archive of, of what life is like in Portland during the COVID-19 epidemic. And, um, so I, I think that I'm hoping that it will be exciting for students to, um, to have this as like an outlet for, you know, for processing what they're going through. Um, also is feeling some purpose behind what they're doing, the purpose, you know, to what they're doing that, that extends beyond the classroom. Right. Uh, and also, um, that, um, but I found that, I found that, um, some students, you know, totally dropped it right away, but others added it right after. And some students contacted me and said that they felt that, um, this class was too going to be too anxiety provoking for them. So, um, so you know that was the thing I hadn't actually considered because the way I handle things I'm worried about is that I want to, you know, I want to dig into them and learn as much about them as I possibly can. Right. Um, but that's not how everybody works. That's so. true. Yeah, there you But it's it's almost like um, dramatic int- uh, intense changes in a very short ter- period of time across many other things. Ben, if you um, how is uh, how has uh, your uh, your particular uh, how have you had to adjust your particular style down there? Yeah. Um, so, right. What are you teaching? I should say. Let's start off with what do you uh, what are you teaching this term? Sure. Well. Uh, what I'm teaching this term is what I teach every term here, right? I mean, this is the uh, this is the good and bad of uh, having gotten this job, um, you know, because be, before this, um, I was, um, you know, an adjunct at Rutgers for years, and the um, you know the good thing about about that job was, well, I mean, first, if if you have to adjunct, it's you know, it, it it's you know, relatively uh, well paid because adjuncts there have been unionized forever, and uh, and uh, also that you know they you know they actually did have like a fairly wide degree of uh, of latitude in in what you could teach, right? Like they were uh, mm-hmm. like if if you sort of um, especially when I first got there, right? If you know if you sort of expressed interest to the like. A uh, little old Sicilian lady who ran the office, you know, like if she liked you, you know, like you should see you walking down the hall and be like, "Hey, Ben, what do you want to teach next semester?" You know, it's very informal. Um, but uh, you know, then they, you know, they got a more organized system. But um, but you know, the advantage of the job I have now, of course, is that it's full time and you know comes with health insurance, which is you know particularly nice right yeah, now. Minor detail, uh, yeah. But uh, but you know they. The flip side of that is that it's the same three introductory classes until the end of time, right? I mean, that's pretty much uh, what they teach here. So it's intro to philosophy, intro to ethics, and critical thinking. Um, and uh, we actually, it's 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 funny. So uh, as I was as I was listening just now, right? Um, there's I I'd also uh, gotten sick shortly before everything shut down. Um, in fact, since that up and played the the fun game, uh, did I already have coronavirus? <laughs> yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah, that's the, see, that's the thing. That's yeah, that's one of the. It's like under one of the under remarked things about all this is that is just the the epistemic problem is that nobody fucking knows because nobody yeah, has, nobody right. has fucking Cause, tests. Cause how on earth would you know? I remember yeah. like I got a, an email that had like the list of symptoms. You know symptoms is supposed to be a helpful informational email 
and it was like, here are the symptoms of, you know, coronavirus versus, you know, uh, versus, well, you know, COVID-19 versus the flu versus cold. And it's like any other URI. Yeah, you realize yeah. There's like a 40% overlap between all of these things. Yeah. Right? Uh, um, and, you know, and of course some people have no symptoms. Some people have some, but not others, you know? Um, so in any case, who knows? Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, 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 you know, it, it's totally unknowable right now, but I, I was homesick for two days a week before, uh, well, we would have gone to spring break anyway, and then what my university did um, was just before spring break, they announced that uh, they were going to be shut down for an extra week after spring break, in, you know, in order to test out online teaching modules of the business continuity plan, uh, yeah. just a bit of universities, and then, um, and then, you know, a few days later, they announced that it was all going to be online after you know, the extended spring break and we've been back, uh, and we've been back online for, uh, for a week at this point. Um, and yeah, I, I've also, I also have taught online before I did a bunch of timers at Rutgers. Um, and they also announced that our already that our summer classes were all going to be online. Um, and nobody had to take a training course to teach online this semester. Right, you know, but you mm-hmm. have to do one to teach in the summer, I guess, because there's, <laughs> there's actually time to do so. Um, modern, modern university life, yeah, yeah. Which, um, and and of course, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's dumb in both directions, right? Because you have to take the you have to take the course even if you've taught online at other universities, and again, you know, you're spending a month teaching online now with with no training. Uh, which which does go to the perils of this because uh, I have uh, taught online before because um, especially back when I was an adjunct I certainly wasn't going to pass it up right uh, you know you you need all the classes you can get uh, but I never believed that it it was um, you know I've, I've never believed that students got entirely the same value from that that they get uh from face-to-face instruction and that's at the best of times like when they sign up for an online class on purpose knowing what they're doing right uh much less being being thrust into an online class they didn't sign up for uh midway through the semester uh so because we are in a semester system here not a quarter system um i i've i've tried my best to design the online portions of the class with um, certainly minimum mutilation to, to the grading scheme, right? Uh, obviously, that's something students are all worried about. Um, but also to try, I guess I've, I've kind of got the, uh, the other approach to it, um, which is that rather than, rather than trying to be very, very topical, um, you know, I, I've if anything, um, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of tried to, you know, to the, you know, because obviously class, uh, well, it's a week less long than it would have been and it's all online now and et cetera. So I had to rearrange things a little bit, but, you know, I mean, I, I tried to focus on things that I, I, I thought would be like an interesting distraction, um, because I, I probably were both doing the same thing, which is, you know, which is that we're projecting our, uh, personality type onto everybody else you know uh uh-huh, yeah yeah and i you know I'm, I'm i'm one of the people who um like i'll i you know i mean i have to write stuff about it you know there's no no help in that right you know but um but like i get anxious thinking about it all the time um and so i sort of you know assumed that everybody's like me uh also uh which is probably just you know just as well so um, assuming that that people like you and people like me are are evenly distributed enough, then that at least students get a uh, you know uh, students who find it helpful to um, uh, you know to to be able to work out their uh, you know like who, who find it helpful to sort of go into the teeth of it and read all about it and think about it and that makes them less anxious about it can do that and you know and students who'd, who'd rather just like all right let's let's just 
let's just think about the liar paradox because we don't want to think about this. You know, can do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's my hope. Well, it's good to hope, you know, like I, I would like to believe that, you know, st- students make the efforts to, you know, find out, you know, who their instructors are, who their professors are and 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 what their their styles are. I, one of the things I can say is I know that everybody, everybody at Portland State who, you know, they all know what university studies is and they all know that it's going to have to be, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, reflective writing and a lot of, you know, like researchy stuff. And it's, you know, all going to be very interactive. And um, so, you know, and there's going to be group work. And, um, and so I, you know, especially with a class that's called American Identities, I could make it, you know, not about uh, COVID-19 or not about illness and infection, but it would still be a class that would have a lot of, you know, politically charged, uh, intense, you know, discussions. Um, so I, I often find that, you know, um, just generally students are already anxious about what we're going to talk about in any class I teach. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I think that's the, um, I guess you know, there is definitely there is value in the, I guess the the uh, even you know for like all the students who'd have to do the uh, you know have to like dive into the or you know get exposed to like a lot you know because uh, the stuff in your class Amy of you know having to actively sort through it themselves at least I think there's got to be utility in having like direction and a way to anchor, you know, it's like, yeah, it, it, instead of like having a uh, free floating anxiety, at least there's a way to structure, you know, the, uh, structure your work and what you're doing. That's hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let folks kind of go, you know, go through this without, uh, without getting overwhelmed because if, you know, if you're, it's almost like there, you have to, um, you know, you, sh- you shift into, uh, you, sh- you're consciously shifting over into, an, uh, into a, um, an observer in an archivist role, which maybe yeah. I don't know, maybe having maybe the fact that you know there's that there is some remove there more or less um, that you know we'll see maybe that helps. I guess I'll discover. You know, yeah. next week will be the first week that they're meeting in their teams, and um, I'll be there for all, myself and the um, course mentor, which is kind of like a TA, but they don't do any grading. Um, that we'll both be there for each of the, the team meetings and and we'll we'll see how it goes. But a big part of what we'll do during that first meeting is, you know, to work with the, you know, I have some ideas about how this will work, but one of the things we also like to advocate for is for the students to have agency and mm-hmm. how the class um, develops. So, um, you know, we'll probably spend some time talking about, you know, what would be useful for them. Like, I, I imagine, like, you know, it's going to kind of be like, at each of their meetings there's going to be some like basically show and tell everybody like comes together and talks about like you know what got what things they gathered this week and what they what they saw and then sort of process it um you know and then as time goes on we'll we'll kind of develop that into like so what are the patterns we're seeing how might we kind of turn this into what would be sort of like an online museum or a virtual exhibit Mm -hmm. um about what we found and then how will we build that into um, an archive that can be collected by a university or a public institution of some kind. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the a thought that I had was I was questioned for both of you that um, I think that you kind of alluded to before, but it's kind of how ha- uh, in your for your at your various institutions, how has the uh, <laughs> has the admi- has the administ- the administrative freakout such as it is. Um, how has that been different or the same as, say, like the political freakout from uh, elected officials? Because I'm kind of curious, because uh, there's or you know, but, you know, universities are so like you know, draw so many uh, admin types from the corporate world and the political world. So I'm kind of curious as to like how much of the uh, how much you see the behavior kind of like, kind of like you know, bleeding back and forth, if you were, if you will. Well, certainly here. Um, well, there's been a. A big gap, although it's more similar at first, um, because uh, GSU, uh, you know, was initially extremely reluctant um, to um, to do anything, right? Like they uh, 
Uh, so on, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was, I think it was, yeah, that Thursday. So that would have been uh, March twelfth that they, you know, well, basically announced they were going online, even though official the official announcement came after. But they they did something that made it clear they were going to do that later. Um, and but they didn't. Uh, but before that, uh, they're very unresponsive. Like, uh, like to the point. I mean, granted, I don't know who's in charge of the university Twitter account, uh, but um, but GSU had 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 tweeted. Uh, somebody had like tweeted at the GSU Twitter account. Uh, you know, like where can I? There's a. Um, uh, there's there's a to you know po- possible case or you know I think they said confirmed case although who knows right that's just somebody on, on Twitter right right God knows but you know um, you know of of uh, of COVID nineteen on campus uh, where can I report this and the response was there are no cases on campus and like a link a link to that right which which was like a sort of parody of like how like a I mean it it sort of seemed like how um, you know the uh, uh, I don't know, like a bureaucracy, you know, like bureaucracy at a Kafka story or something would respond to a query like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but then they did, you know, then they did like, you know, succumb, you know, after like a week of being very stubborn, you know, they did succumb by, by the 12th uh, and, and did what, you know, pretty much everywhere else except for Liberty University, I guess, you know, has, uh, <laughs> has done. Um, but, uh, in Georgia, uh, you know, it, this is, this is one of the states where the, the political leadership has, has been extraordinarily slow, um, certainly on the state level. So, um, like basically on, um, you know, the, the week of, uh, around like the 17th, maybe, uh, they did a extremely half-assed shelter-in-place order. It only applied to people who had underlying medical conditions, and I never understood how that's supposed to be enforced. Like, unless you're carrying around an oxygen tank or something, right? Yeah. Like, how are you? You know, I mean, I guess this goes to um, you know illness and uh, and identity, but you know, like, I guess uh, you know, how on earth are you supposed to tell from looking at somebody, right? You know, whether they have an right. online, underlying medical condition. Um, and then, uh, just last week, um, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, who, uh, people outside the state might remember that he, um, allegedly beat Stacey Abrams in uh, that election. Uh, it was an amazing coincidence that, um, you know, there were a bunch of, of pretty dubious decisions made, uh, during about polling places and other things. And um, he was both a participant in the election and running the election as secretary of state. So, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's called synergy, but um, anyway, uh, he ended up uh, just last week. uh, He did a press conference where he claimed that he found out, uh, keep in mind, this man's office is five miles away from the national headquarters of the CDC. Uh, he said that he just found out in the last 24 hours that people could have COVID-19, but it'd be asymptomatic. <laughs> and so on Wednesday, he said there was going to be a real shelter-in-place order, but that the details would be announced on Thursday. And then the details were announced on Thursday, and it went into effect on Friday. So um, there you go. Um, and I, I think it's still not great but it's certainly better than it was before yeah uh like 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 i think we finally you know i think we've 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 finally done away with with dining at restaurants and things like that yeah like a lot of city like atlanta and all the counties around here have already had pretty strict orders in place but um certainly like in um in in rural georgia uh you know there was nothing you know in the absence of the statewide order um, and you know that that could get very bad very fast. Yeah, I was gonna say like a related topic for uh, for the class of um, kind of like tribal identity and views on public health, or you know even uh, or even uh, <laughs> even you know ability to acknowledge that such a thing exists. 
Yeah. Because that's... Um, I mean, that'll certainly, like, come up as an issue in the class I'm teaching um, because we can talk about those parallels with, um, with the AIDS crisis. Right. Um, my university, um, you know, there's there's different levels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, different levels of the university, different levels of, of um, academic hierarchy and management that we're dealing with. Um, when this first came down, the first direction, and we got this on like March 11th, was, okay, next term, we're going to teach like at least the first three weeks remotely. Um and so I wrote to the director of the part of the program in university studies that I teach in and said, was this, you know, you know, up, you know, like for sure the first three weeks and then we'll see about later. I mean, like, can I just, can I just design the course to be online? You know, yeah. like I, I think, you know, <laughs> and he's like, well, the recommendation is no, that you shouldn't. And, you know, because I think it will be really important, you know, like once we get through all this for um, for our students to, you know, see one another and to, to see their professor. Um, and I'm like, OK, um, mm-hmm. because I didn't believe that it would be over. <laughs> and, um, so that was very that was anxiety provoking until, you know, they finally came around. And I, I was too busy with I was too busy with my winter courses. To, to think about spring at that point. So hmm. um, by the time I was able to start really putting spring together, um, um, they had they had you know finally decided that that yes we would teach the entire spring term online and it was like oh good. Um, but as part in in part of all of that you know there's also been like a whole lot of conversations amongst my colleagues in my program in particular about you know like what are the students going through what are the students going to need from us you know how should we you know think differently about the purpose of our classes and um you know we're we're already a program that you know is invested in things like you know um you know collaborative or student grading and um so it's you know we're we're already like thinking about the, these issues around, you know, students, what, you know, students in terms of their like financial situation at this point, at this point, you know, like the, the service industry, of course, has been incredibly hard hit. And mm-hmm. that's where a lot of students, you know, have their jobs in order to pay for school. Um, well, that's what I did and, for years. Yeah. 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 I mean, myself, too. But it's, you know, it's even worse, you know, for. It's certainly, you know, like a much more precarious and difficult situation considering the cost of college, you know, compared, you know, to, you know, Jeremy, when, when we were, you know, in Ann Arbor in, in the 90s. So it's, you know, it's it's um, very scary for them. They're already, you know, super anxious uh, about their futures and are struggling to pay any attention to the process of learning rather than just achieving you know, a certain GPA that will signal their desirability for being accepted into a next the next program or being hired by somebody. Yeah. So, um, so you know, we've all we've all been talking about you know like the student food pantry, you know the student food pantry, the um, you know the different kinds of assistant programs, you know that we need to be supporting and and um, volunteering you know, labor for and the kind of emotional labor that we're going to be doing this quarter. Um, and, and that's just kind of par for the course for my program. And I'm grateful for all of that. But at the same time, you know, I, I sort of, yeah, I know that like other, other, other programs that, that isn't already valued as part of the work. And, um, and so when I see, you know, a message from like the VP of human resources, that's like, I'm so proud of you guys for, you know, like, you know, pulling through this and your, you know, like your can do, literally your can do attitude, and <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, um, and this kind of idea that, um, that, that, that's 
somehow all of this doesn't come as, as a cost to um, to those of us who are educators and um, and that you know they'll they'll say you know way to go you love your can-do attitude you know um, over email but like when it comes down to like actually like valuing um, the labor that goes into all of these components of teaching yeah um, you know you don't you certainly don't see any um, yeah, you know, so I certainly don't see any indication that that they're going to be like, yeah, and we realize now that we need to like, whatever, you know, pay you more or require fewer classes for full time work or whatever. And meanwhile, on academic Twitter, you know, it's it's all like, you know, the back and forth around, oh well, this is you know, this is a great opportunity for you know, like you to work on your next you know book project and. <laughs> Uh, and then other people being like, oh, that's awful. How dare you say that? You know, we're all like in this crisis. We're not in a place where, you know, we should, you know, be expected to, you know, um, have more time to spend on our academic research and our scholarly work in that regard. I mean, already we're being asked to do more. You know, most folks are being asked to do more um, with their teaching than they've had to do more than they've had to do before. And, um and then people have got, you know, kids that are at home with them that now they have to take care of. And on top of that, there's the anxiety about getting sick, the anxiety about all of our vulnerable loved ones, um, the anxiety about what might happen to our jobs. Portland State, for example, um, certainly has a number of students that live in on-campus housing, but it also is like a, you know, students it's in many ways a commuter campus and um so it's not like we're you know we're whereas like a a school where everybody's living on campus and now that you can't have folks in the dorms and school's just like "Mm, i don't know what's going to happen um like psu will still have folks you know wanting to take online classes and still be in you know in the portland area and so i i feel like you we aren't going to you know, see a, a dramatic drop in a dramatic reduction in, in enrollment because of the lack of ability, the lack of um, student housing. Um, so I'm anticipating also because my my contract, my contract is for another year mm-hmm. um, that I'll still have work at least for another year. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like um, it's interesting to see who's participating in in which discussions, who's concerned about what. And um, and I don't necessarily like all of what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah, I like um, the uh, comedian and podcaster David Feldman had a uh, line on the last episode of his show that uh, comment about how everybody has a great time, you know, uh, <laughs> to uh, to get in, you know, all that scholarly work reminded me of about how he's. Uh, finally getting in all the panic attacks he'd ever had time for before COVID. You know, <laughs> exactly. Time enough at last. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's um, like, I, I mean, that, that, that drives me crazy, especially like, especially from a perspective, you know, of an adjunct. I remember um, it, there was this, uh, one of the main, you know, I was very involved in the um, adjunct union at Rutgers and, and one of, uh, one of the main posters was a nice image of, of a, um, uh, of of a you know like fist clutching a pencil against a red background and that that oh, yes. like you know but then like it said like respect adjuncts and I was always complained about that it's like no it should say pay adjuncts more money right like you know I can't spend your abstract respect you know like <laughs> I want you to express it financially yeah yeah how of the um it's still like very early on uh, on a lot of different ways, but how like, how have the have you gotten any sense of like how are this how the students are taking to it? I mean, I'm I'm working on the assumption that um, the combination. I mean, look, I, I remember uh, just before um, you know just before face to face classes ended. Um, you know, I was uh, I was giving a test um, in uh, in my intro to philosophy class, and well, that was already online anyway, right? The format I, I did for those tests uh, was that I uh, 
they were online. People could do them anytime over the course of the day. And I said, if you want to, you can come into class to work on it in class and ask questions. So uh, there were only a few people in class, and they were kind of chatting as they worked. And um, and it was a very yeah, it was a mixture of some very frustrating comments about oh I'm not worried because I'm young and healthy, which mm-hmm. you know is is a result of the kind of bad messaging that was everywhere at that time, right? You know, a month ago, if you could remember back that far, right? Uh, and uh, then people say things I'm much more sympathetic with, like man, I, I hope they don't go online because I never feel like I learn as much in online classes, you know, like I really need this. Um, and and I I can definitely um, sympathize with that, right? Like I, I think that, uh, you know, online classes, one of, the, one of the structural problems with online classes at normal times is that um, there's there's a terrible mismatch between the people who take them and the people who, who should take them uh, because uh, students generally have the impression that they'll be easier when in fact they're harder. Yep. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's, that's a problem. Right. And, and I've seen some frustrating stuff that's reflected that like, um, you know, I, in a critical thinking class, I, I, um, I'm having people, um, watch some debates on YouTube and, and, uh, and, and comment on them on an online discussion forum. And, and somebody was saying in an email that they, they were, um, you know, that they were having trouble making time for it because it was an hour long. And, you know, and, and, and I, I it was like, okay, but I mean, like, you know, you'd be spending a lot more time than that in class, right? Yeah. If we were having class right now, right? You know, so there's that sort of old, old assumption that, um, you know, asynchronous online learning is, is, is going to take, less time uh, rather than more. Um, but I've also tried to keep in mind that um, it's incredibly stressful for, for everybody and it's and students uh, who didn't intend to take online classes just had every single class go online and the schedule changed for the semester. So every single one of their classes is different now and, and they just – got a bunch of information dumped on them about how every single class is different now. And, and so, you know, so I've, I've, I've been, you know, so like, you know, when, when, when I get emails saying, saying, I don't understand what blah, 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 or blah, blah, blah is like very clearly laid out in the revised syllabus. I've been trying to reach deep within myself and answer more compassionately than it's in the syllabus uh, because, you know, because it, it really, it really would be, I mean, under the circumstances, I think, um, you know, the best of us are going to have trouble, uh, you know, keeping, you know, keeping track of things. And and um, everybody I've, I've talked to who's, who's teaching online, um, you know, well, not everybody, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, have are uh, having trouble with the sudden lack of, of structure in their daily schedule and, and, and getting everything they need to get done, done. And of course students are going to have the same problem, but, uh, they're also in less control of the situation. Um, you know, and the, the format of the classes were just changed in, in ways that, you know, that, um, you know, even if you tried to give them some input, right. You know, they, they ultimately worked up to them and they got, just got all this information done, you know, um, you know, dumped on them. So, uh, so I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think some of them, um, you know, some of them, of course, you know, are, are, are all on top of it, but some of them are, are having trouble. And I, and, and, you know, I, I think that's, um, you know, I think that's to be expected, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I just wish there was a bigger, there was a longer transition period at this time in the semester. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our students at Portland state, take have taken online classes before um and even if they haven't the the system we use d2l which stands for desire to learn anyway and there's other obviously there's other systems like there's takai which is what i used at davis and um blackboard which i used at university of kansas um but i find that you know the tools that we have through d2l are actually pretty good and um and it's integrated with zoom and the um, 
and even for classes that are in person, we use the 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 D2L platform to um, communicate feedback to students to um, to you know deliver course material. Um, so you know often you know to communicate with students you know outside of class. Um, so I feel like a lot of them are already familiar with a lot of the the tools and with the platform, and I think that 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 makes you know that makes it a lot easier. Um, you know, for me, then it, it might, you know, or for those of us at, at PSU, then it might um, for for uh, other other campuses that, that may do less online teaching um, that may have already, you know, we have just, we've been doing it. It just seems forever at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that that, you know, that, you know, the type of students that we have, the type of campus that we have, um, you know, has sort of already cultivated a lot of um, a lot of background in both learning online and and, and teaching online, uh, and th- that's making it easier. But of course, there's always students that you know, um, you know, you, you're you know, we have to constantly prod them to participate um, because even though we have things set up where we can automatically send reminders to students about you know what they got to do today, what's due today, what's due tomorrow, you know, um, that. It's just, um, you know, the lack of, you know, the lack of an external structure, you know, of physically being expected to be in a location that, um, that, that without that, they, they just really, you know, struggle and falter. Um, yeah. so, and, and I often find that, you know, there's always a couple, um, that I struggle to, you know, that, that it's a struggle all, all quarter and I, I'm disappointed at the end that I can't always get everybody in an online class to have some, you know, to get through it successfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the, I mean, that, that's the problem, right? Because you, you have to be much more self-motivated to get through an online class than a, um, than, than a face-to-face one, which, again, is, is why you have this thing where... Um, you know, the people who would most benefit from from face to face instruction often, you know, make the mistake of signing up for online classes. Yeah, I was saying, the, but you I, know, there's also those students in face to face classes. Oh well, no, okay. I mean, that's that's certainly true. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing magical. You, could, I mean, for one thing, if you know somebody stops showing up, they stop showing up, and you know, right, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's no help in that. But if they're, you know, but if if they're in the middle, they're at least you know kind of showing up sometimes and plus if nothing else i think um there's a built-in advantage to uh the fact that people see you like in person twice a week i think it helps make you more of a real person to them than like a kind of disembodied presence on the other end of the computer and not you know i mean obviously they're they're you know i mean if a student's just checked out for the class that you know like sometimes there's nothing you can do to help them but but i think that at least makes them more likely to seek out help when they need it that can be the case i find i find that um it has a lot to do with how i engage with students and and how i present myself to them online mm-hmm. if i um I have to struggle, and, and a lot of this is gendered too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, students will automatically assume, you know, because I'm a uh, woman identified, they, and very, like, obviously in a, in a physical sense, like, it's kind of unambiguously woman, and, um, and they, they will assume that I'm going to be, you know, uh, soft and they can come to me, you know, and, and, and gentle and, and they can come to me with their issues or, or that they can bully me into changing their grade um, uh, or that they can walk all over me. And, and so it's always a challenge to figure out, you know, how can I show them that, like, I'm really flexible and I'm, you know, want to find, you know, I care more about, like, whether or not they get the learning done than, you know, exactly what schedule they do it on. Right. <laughs> and, um and how can I, but at the same time, like, I don't, I want them to feel motivated to get things to stay on track, you know, um, but to know that I'm there for support rather than chastisement, you know, when things don't go, um, 
as well as maybe they would like them to. So um, I find that I just have to do like a lot of communicating uh, online in a way that um, in a way that maybe I don't expect I have to do in a face-to-face class. But I'm wondering now if maybe if I did more of that in a face-to-face class and whether or not that would that would change things there as well. I feel good about my online classes. You know, I, I feel like I get, you know, students are give me a lot of uh, positive feedback on them, um, often more so than I get on my face-to-face classes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Awesome. Well, um, I have a, a real different experience with that. I guess. Yeah. Well, I want, uh, want to thank you guys again for taking time on a uh, on another stupidly cold Sunday out here uh, talking about this. I think um, wrapping things up is like, what do you think? Go, you know, is a kind of like a going forward question. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Uh, either we, either you personally, or kind of we um, as an educational system, is going to take uh, from this particular moment and kind of you know this this for this kind of like forced experiment uh going forward either you know what do you think is going to come out of it either good or bad or you know lessons learned so to speak um i am concerned that the way in which um some folks are responding or being encouraged to respond to to the shift in um, educational programming, I guess, um, is is to be you know reliant, heavily reliant on Zoom, and that they will um, you know it will become a a situation of um, well, just you know turn on Zoom and lecture, you know talk to these kids and um, you know give your lecture, and then they can ask questions, and and it will that will sort of you know kind of fall into that. And I, and I think that that's not taking advantage of, you know, what you, of, of the greatest strengths and attributes uh, available with um, online learning. And I, I would rather, you know, I, I would really like instead to see people starting to share things like, you know, what are ways you can do more interactive work with students, more project-based learning with students, more, um, more peer-based learning with students uh, over, you know, on on online cl- with online classes, um, and I'm I'm concerned that 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 may that may that may not may not happen. And one of my core things, one of my deepest drives as an educator is is to is to prov- is to you know uh, cultivate educational environments where where students um, are learn to see themselves as legitimate producers of knowledge, as critical thinkers, as, as people who don't just, you know, sit there, you know, imbibe the information and uh, spit it back on a test. Um, and I believe that, you know, most of us, that's, you know, that's not what we want. Um, but I think everything about academia and, um, and especially this, you know, quick shift uh, is working against that, and but to me, it's um, anything that that you know reifies the banking model of education. You know, put information, you know, deposit information in student. You know, yeah. like extract information from student on test. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's like the absolute like. To me, it's just it's like you know this foundational thing to the development of fascism. So yeah, painting um, somebody yeah dig, dig out the uh, dig out the uh, Paolo Freire. Freire? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, we all... Yeah, Freire. Yeah, okay. Uh, or at least that's how I see it. So, so th- those, are, those are my thoughts about, you know, what we should be thinking about and what I'm worried about and, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, I guess all I'd, all I'd really add is, is that, um, I mean, part of the answer probably depends on how long this lasts. Um so if um, you know because one one thing that you know you'd, you'd hope would, would be an advantage is, is that it you know gives a lot of instructors practice teaching online classes and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know students practice taking them and everybody gets better at it right uh, but um, if but I think that that really heavily depends on uh, the length of time 
because one one thing I was I was thinking about you know a minute ago um, and you know I, I, I agree it, it's different there are there's certainly a gender component and there's you know lots of other factors I'm sure come into play but um, you know the times that I've taught online classes that I've I've felt uh, the most successful in setting those you know um, you know, conveying to students that, you know, I, I, I really am trying to actively help them and, you know, uh, all that stuff, um, you know, that, I, that I'm, I'm not just sort of, um, you know, sitting on my end of the computer waiting to, you know, grade them, uh, are times when I've been able to do things like, um, you know, past online classes, I've, I've done, I've like even like worked it into the grade that everybody has to like, you know, schedule like a Skype session at some point to like Mm -hmm. talk over how they're doing in the class so they can at the very least like see my face and, you know, uh, and I'm I'm a little bit of a real person to them and I I, I can, I can say encouraging things and, you know, all that, you know, I mean, I do that on, um, you know, in, in written form, but I don't, I don't think that's, that that's quite as meaningful. Um, you know, but of course, I can't do that right now because we only have a month left of class. There's not time. Yeah. Right. You know, there, 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 there are too many students and there aren't enough time. There isn't enough time. Uh, so, so I think that, um, you know, it, it might, you know, give a lot of people some sense of the challenges of, of, of teaching online. Um, and I guess if, uh, <laughs> You know, if things go horribly and 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 we're you know we're still doing this in the fall, then I guess you know maybe they'll they'll have a chance to experiment uh, more with with what works better. Although I'm obviously hoping that we don't have that much time to test that out. Yeah, but, you know, we we will in fact actually be able to go outside by then. Here's hoping. I'm hopeful too, and and yeah, I think the the semester versus quarter situation makes it you know is is a huge factor in the difference oh absolutely yeah you could actually start like you know they're actually starting a new class they could decide whether they want to take this new class you know depending on you know um you know uh the the, you know the approach um so yeah no that would be I'm, i'm 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 definitely jealous of that 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 would that would be that would be you know that would be nice if this if this transition were uh, we're the beginning of a fresh class, not this sort of online component, you know, awkwardly welded to the first uh, two and a half months of a face-to-face class. Gotcha. Well, we've been going for quite a while. Uh, I want to thank you again for your time. Is there, I guess, any um, is there any any anything you'd like to promote or or kind of share or call out of like stuff that you've I uh, think um, either resources or things that you've seen that you want more people to check out or should pay more attention to, or I guess it, or if not, you know, any uh, any last words. Uh, I definitely want to recommend. Um yeah, um, educators um, generally like looking at some of the principles of uh, some, some anarchist pedagogical principles. Um, and there is a book called Anarchist Pedagogies, um, and that is pretty good. It is by uh, it's an edited collection uh, edited by Robert Hayworth, um, and it's on PM Press. Um, there's also obviously the work of Paolo Freire, the work of Bell Hooks, um, the work of, um, shoot, Peter McLaren, um, a number of folks that, you know, are looking at this and, um, and I think, you know, we all, you know, need to be thinking about, you know, how can we apply these things, you know, to an online class. And I think it's also worth looking at theater, the oppressed activities and how they can be incorporated. Um, so those are things I'd, you know, I'd, I'd like to kind of throw out there. And if anybody wants to see my syllabus or take a look at my class, I'm happy to share that. Uh, you can find me, you know, by, by searching for Amy Somariva at Portland State University. Um, yeah. Wow. That sounds like a very, uh, uh, a very complete list. I agree. Those are uh, those are good things to think about. Um, and yeah, 
thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. It was really interesting to hear what Amy's doing, and it was a it's a good discussion. And it's it's uh, it's always nice during quarantine to uh, uh, be able to uh, to hear outside human voices. Yeah, totally. And it's been really great to meet you, Ben. And I hope that we maybe you know stay in touch. And uh, certainly, Jeremy will be in touch. <laughs> yep. Well, as I said, it's, thank you so much. Yeah, Ben, for letting see, me uh, be part of this. Oh yeah, no, thank it, you. yeah. It was to say, and Ben, see if you can get uh, see if you can get Doug Lane to fly out here if they ever uh, if um, Zero can ever swing like uh, you know book tours again or something, but. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, stay safe. If you uh, thank my two guests, and if you want to uh, help uh, help us support doing this uh, doing this podcast thing in these dark times, because I'm currently unemployed, uh, feel free to check out our Patreon because we're loved this podcast. So of course, we have a Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Giving the Mic. Uh, questions, comments. Uh, if you have any questions for the guests or anything, or any recommendations for good local Korean joints to dine at once we can actually dine at restaurants again, feel free to email givingthemike at gmail.com. Um, I've been your host, Jeremy. And uh, th- uh, thank you, Amy and Ben. And uh, that's it. Stay safe, everybody. Stay indoors. Stay indoors.